Projecting the jump, projecting the jump, projecting the jump, projecting the jump. It's Nathan, Licky, and Jay. They're projecting the jump today. Will they guess right? Nobody knows. It's a podcast. It's about basketball. Coffee sponsors. It's about drinking and stuff. I grind for the love of the game, not for no four years, 80 million. I grind for the love of the game, did a rocket steep dive and found me a villain. Ooh, man, coming in with aggression to my boy, Dylan Brooks. I mean, the only reason I really wanted to do a rocket steep dive is so I could trash Dylan Brooks for 25, 35 minutes. <laughs> I, uh, I also just am basically going to defend him and then i'm gonna leave and i'm just gonna let you go on a solo rant against him because i'm not going to stand and be a part of be a party to this it's like that scene in wayne's world where they get signed and they're all of a sudden like in the big leagues and like wayne gets fired and garth's like sitting there and he's like i'm having a good time not are you saying you'll abandon me live you know everybody has their lines and you know dylan brooks i uh I got some loyalty with them. So uh, so we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how aggressive the takes get on them. You're not the only Dylan Brooks apologist and, and, and loyalist in my life. I will say that. And Really? Both of you are good fantasy players. So shout out. Shout out Spidey if you're if you're watching on YouTube. Um, Amazing. Wow, there's, there's at least two of us. Yeah. Yep. He has his supporters. So as we kind of alluded to there, and I think we mentioned on our last podcast, um, we're just going to hyper focus on one of the most interesting teams to us. Um, this offseason, just one of these like loaded with young, talented players and now loaded with these expensive veterans. So just kind of going through it and trying to get a timeline of like this rebuild, you know, since uh, Ime Adoka was hired in late May, the Rockets have begun what somebody dubbed phase two of the rebuild that began with James Harden's trade in January of 2021. So the Houston Rockets have won just 25 percent of their games in the last three seasons. So when I say 25% wow. of their games, wow. does that sound like less or more than you'd think they would have won the last three seasons? That's a pretty paltry number. That's less, I think. Yeah, I mean, you, when you just think about the Hornets, how many games they they win, that's a, that's a tiny number. It's, it's hard to do. It's shocking. And they've had a, you know, uh, cheers. Pour a little something out for Steven Silas. He seemed like a great bloke. Um, your dad was a Seattle Supersonic and an NBA champion. Paul Silas, rest in peace. Um, but yeah, so Ime <laughs> Doka comes on, and I think uh, the team's kind of taken shape over him, under him, you know, a little more to uh, his style of play. So let's just run through those additions real quick. I wanted to give everyone a lay of the land. Um, so as many of you know, uh, Fred Van Vliet has come over for four years, one hundred and twenty million. Uh, Dylan Brooks, I'll call three him. Three years. Dylan. Wasn't it three years? It was three years. Thank good catch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Four. I, I got the four stuck in my head because it's forty million a season. Mm. which is just wild so huge massive yeah and again i think like you gotta pay somebody and before you're gonna do some of these extensions on the rookie deals i got the van vliet thing like we talked about but then you get into playing dylan brooks four years 80 million when you have i think who will turn out to be a and we'll get into it but you have tari eason on the roster so you might have had a cheaper version of what you paid for there um then you have the fourth overall pick in june i'm in thompson I uh, really enjoyed watching some of his film. And then you have Cam Whitmore, who somehow fell to them uh, at pick 20. 
And then you got some on the margins guys. You got the big Jacques Landell. Uh, you have a couple of veteran guards and Aaron Holiday and Patty Mills. And then you have uh, Jeff Green. So those are those are the additions. Uh, what kind of jumps out to you when I just kind of run through those names and you're thinking of the Rockets roster with with those players now? Uh, well, starting at the starting at the bottom, I feel like uh, one under the radar thing that I think is going to have a fantasy impact, not because what he's going to do, but because what he's going to take away. Uh, one guy that I have a close eye on is actually Jeff Green. I mean, he was just the seventh man on on the Nuggets who won the championship. So clearly he's playing at a high level. They, they selected him, they paid him. Um, and I, and I kind of am really curious, especially with this email Doka because coaches want to win games. Um, and I'm, and I think the most interesting thing to see play out over the course of this, uh, of the situation is, is that push and pull. I mean, as you alluded yeah. to the, the whole roster is either these high paid, uh, vets which they just brought in they selected they brought in for a purpose and then on the other hand you have all these young high development guys that were super high draft picks so their roster i mean you, you just ran through all these guys uh they're 12 deep i mean yeah. there's 12 guys that should be getting real minutes that should be getting at least seventh eighth man minutes so there's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see who falls out of that um i think i'm curious about the jeff green one because he plays at a position of so many of these other young guys that I suspect they're going to find minutes and we're all going to be pretty frustrated about how much a 37 year old or whatever it is, Jeff Green is getting played. You know, Jeff Green's one of those veterans that's you can't hand to a coach like Udoka who's just taken over this young team and like, you know, was kind of disgraced in the public eye to his own doing. Um, and so he's come back and yeah, I just think he's, he's going to fall into those traps and, and just going through the rotation. I mean, some of the players Jeff Green will have to, to siphon minutes from uh, it's just not what you want in a rebuilding situation. So um, just to kind of set the scene there, the player with the ninth most minutes per game last season on the Rockets was Deshaun Nix, who they cut on June 29th, just wow. kind of gives you an idea of like the amount of minutes that are really available for these guys. Um, and so to get ready for this, I was, I was kind of trying to go through that and um figure out how the minutes would look. Um, so to do that, you got to figure out, okay, where are the minutes coming from? Uh, so last year, let's pull this back up. So here are the subtractions. So I, I want to start with Eric Gordon. This is interesting. You know, he was traded on February 9th. Um, he was playing 30 minutes per game in 47 games. Um, but that trade is actually what brought them the first round pick, which became Cam Whitmore. So that's pretty impressive. They had to take on John Wall's salary. But uh, so the 30 Cam minutes. Whitmore, summer league MVP. Yeah, it's ridiculous, dude. Yeah, he uh, he pops on film. We'll see. We'll see how he how he uh, actually turns out as a pro. But um, he was he was a classic summer league sensation. Yeah, he was he was built for summer league. I think the scoring yeah. was a little bit maybe you expect that. But I think what really was uh, eye opening to me was the fact that he averaged three steals a game. I think he had a game where he had eight steals. I think you'd you you don't just luck into that uh so that's that is something that's you're like okay they they kind of have something here those defensive stats in the preseason that's a great point you bring up have been very telling in the past when you're trying to see like the blueprint of a player um that stuff does translate yeah so when you get those big i, I think donovan mitchell i i remember uh, mm. chris mm. vernon brought it up on a recent maybe a month ago that's show, right he had like a 10 steal game in summer league and that's what made vernon go wait hold on what the hell and that stuff kind of translates in in those sample sizes so that's a good call 
Um, so you have Eric Gordon, who went out the door, obviously, uh, last February. Uh, K.J. Martin, some minutes on the wing, freed up his 28 minutes in 82 games. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for fans of his fantasy game, he's probably going to fade into the Clipper wing obscurity for next year, but that, that's for another day. Um, they gave away a young wing and Josh Christopher, who um, I think that breakup was pretty mutual. Um, in 64 games, he played 12 minutes, so it frees up 12 minutes. Uh, the aforementioned Deshaun Nix, who was absolutely terrible, um, no offense if you're to the yeah. Knicks family. Uh, he was playing 16 minutes a game and 57 games. He was just waived. Uh, a younger player who I think maybe they'll regret giving away is University of Kentucky legend Ty Ty Washington. I uh, don't mm-hmm. want to talk about his landing spot. You're welcome to if you'd like. 14 minutes and 31 games. So those mostly came, you know, in true garbage time last year. Yeah. So I kind of run through that uh, just to. Didn't they know, give up uh, another guy, that, uh, Gar- Garba or uh, yeah, Garuba, that, that big guy? Garuba. Yep. Yeah. I thought he was, I thought he had some potential, but then he never got any minutes. So maybe he didn't. Well, now the minutes that, that Shingun fans were worried about Garuba taking last year. Now we have the big Jacques Londell uh, looming to take some of those minutes and other guys. We'll get into that. But kind of what jumped out to me was like the additions on the Rockets um, heavily outweighs the subtractions as far as minutes, which makes kind of a puzzle for projecting the minutes and the rotations and how they're going to shake out. So, yeah, any big takeaways as far as the comings and the goings for you? Yeah, I think um... – just one more big picture before diving into some of these players is um, you could tell, I mean, you talked about entering phase, what you call it? Phase two, phase three, phase, whatever it is. Uh, phase two, they're um, just floating around the Rockets media. Phase mm. two. I mean, I think the big thing is that the Rockets and I mean, this is uh, the Rockets owe their first round pick to the thunder next year and it's top five protected. Um, so in all likelihood is probably going to convey and you could, and there was a clear, um, a message sent from ownership that we will that we do not want to be giving away a really high pick to the thunder we want to try to compete and compete now um and so you could tell that by the moves they brought in um the one guy i mean um and so i think that's really going to be super interesting when they actually get into what these rotations are and i'm sure we're going to talk about these a little bit more but when push comes to shove uh what is what exactly is the patience level where it's been sky high? It seems like all of a sudden is a, uh, is the moment that, uh, that Amir, uh, you know, that Thompson kind of misses a rotation. Is he about to get yeah, yanked exactly. in favor of uh, Jeff green? Like maybe that's maybe, maybe, such maybe. a great point. That's what makes it sitting here in, in August, early August impossible to really, if anyone's sitting there and they're telling you, okay, 28 minutes to this guy, 26 minutes to this guy. And here's why they're lying because of that's a great uh, reason why, because we don't know how it's going to play out as far as those, the leash that Odoka is going to have for these guys with all these veterans mm-hmm. kind of waiting in the wings uh, to take their minutes. Um, I, I did want to mention, it was really interesting what you said about their pick. And every time, you know, you say uh, the team name of OKC, I feel like I, have, I need it. I feel like I need to have a crucifix. I'm like, uh, like, no, oh, but, yeah. but I feel like if the picks out the door, it's out the door and worrying about having egg on your face. Like if that really was a, a main factor in hyper accelerating their timeline, which I honestly believe it could have been, that's just bad. Yeah. That's just bad management because the picks already gone either way. So just make sure you're making sound decisions. Um, not just worrying about like, okay, I like the picks. We, we don't want to be embarrassed by it becoming the third pick and going to another franchise. I just, I think that's no way to operate. Yeah, that's a really that's a really fair point because a pick can land where I mean, like if if you if you convey a pick and it's number twelve and it becomes 
X superstar, then people are ever forever going to say that that pick became X superstar. Exactly. Um, but so, but just kind of uh, jumping into one of the the kind of their highest signed vet, uh, which they brought in, which is uh, Fred on Fleet. Um, that that one, I'm really interested to see how this plays out, and I'm really curious to get your take too. And it's funny the the more I dove into it, the more like swings I'd get. Where I kind of I started being like, okay, here's somebody <laughs> I'm definitely staying away from, and then midway through, I was like. On second thought, I'm targeting, you know, and then I kind of came all the way back around again. And, and so kind of here's kind of some of my thinking, and maybe you can kind of help me uh, clarify this or kind of get some of your takes on this. Uh, uh, you know, the things that I'm interested in with him is that he actually had a pretty low usage rate. His usage rate was 23.2, yeah. which is, you know, which is still pretty high, but he's a point guard. Um, and, you know, just kind of for comparison, that was the 73rd highest usage rate in the league. Um, you know, usage rate, meaning the percentage of plays that kind of end with a shot, free throw attempt or turnover. Um, and to put that in comparison, uh, Giannis led the league with 37.3. Fred Van Vliet was 23.2. Um, and what's going to be interesting is that he's going to a team that uh, has struggled to, how do I put this politely? share the ball uh yeah and and so the the backcourt last year jalen green was the 28th ranked highest player in usage uh kevin Porter jr is the 26th Oof, that so one that one stinks i'm not surprised but just like you know kpj brutal. does not need to be the 26th highest usage player in the league and he won't be yeah now. it's just sand in that there everybody else in that upper category is the who's who of of these all-star all nba guys um and so so uh, on one hand i'm i'm nervous about the you know their ability to share the ball but on the other hand he's obviously th- uh, been able to thrive in a lower usage um and in with even with that lower usage i mean 23.2 he was um uh, from the trade deadline on last year he was the 19th ranked player in fantasy yeah, um, right. a really really productive player now um the the uh, the one thing that makes me very nervous again, and I'm just going to kind of vacillate back and forth, is please vacillate. You know, he's coming. He's he's coming. I'll vacillate away, but uh, he's coming from the Rockets and Nick Nurse, where they just play their starters into the ground. He he was averaging 36.7 minutes a night. We're just talking about the all these players in the Rockets. There's no way he gets anywhere near these numbers. So and, I would expect yeah. a, a dip just based off of the fact that he's not going to be playing nearly as many minutes as that um yeah no it's yeah and and then just to finish up the last kind of point i have and then i yeah i want to hear what you have to say but is um is the only thing that then flips me back around and i'm like well okay well maybe maybe again like is uh was curious about their just what the pace of play was going to be like um so last year the rockets were 16th in pace and play um, Toronto was 25th. So Toronto had one of the slowest p- number of possessions in the league last year. So going to Toronto at 16 is really good. And, and then I was curious, what did, what did Boston do in their one year under Adoko? Um, and that's 23. So, you know, it, you figure they're probably going to land somewhere between 16 and 23. You're looking at an app, maybe about three extra possessions a game. Um, so maybe that will kind of help out with some of that minute loss, but, uh, but I'm kind of curious, what do you think about, uh, on fleek? Well, I think the first thing that jumps out is the, 
there'll just be no need to run him into the ground like Nick Nurse was famous for doing anymore. And so from a fantasy manager's perspective, um, I think he's one of those players that if you have him all season, you have a few itches during the year to trade him because you're just like, you know, these knees are going to wear down. Like, mm-hmm. um, and he just, they, they just rode him um, and you were worried the wheels would fall off. I mean, that's how I feel yeah. when I have him on my teams. Um, so I, I like what you said about, you know, Van Vliet, he can play on or off the ball pretty well. Um, so I think he should be fairly interchangeable with Ahmed Thompson in particular. Um, you know, I'm at Thompson watching some of his summer league tape and just kind of looking at the backcourt, um, uh, I consider for Van Vliet, his ball handling and his passing was like really impressive, like more than I had realized. Um, there's one play that stuck out, uh, where Jabari like threw a pass, um, out of the post and then Amen like quickly, like caught it, saw the perfect angle. And like within one second, the ball was back in Jabari's hands for an easy layup. And like, I just didn't fully realize he had that in his game. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot, a little more off the ball shooting from him. Um, and just kind of being, you know, uh, like what I said about Marcus Smart last week, just being kind of a leader of men, that whole thing. And for fantasy, I think maybe instead of torpedoing your field goal percentage, maybe he can get it up to like the low mid uh, 40% range, 43%, you know, 44. I mean, I don't think that's totally unreasonable. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. thirty nine last year, which was which was a a wolf. Yes, exactly. So like, yeah, maybe his efficiency goes up a little bit, his usage goes down a little bit, um, but but yeah, um, I think he's one of the safer players that we're going to talk about today, as far as fantasy. Yeah, it seemed really bare. The, the Amen Thompson, I'm, I am curious, what position do you think he's going to get the most run at? Because you hear you hear different different people peg him in anywhere. At you know, at such a wide array of positions, and I, I feel like that's what I'm really curious to see how he's actually used in that offense. Is he is he the backup point guard? Is he yeah. is he Dylan Brooks's backup? I, I don't know. <laughs> so um, there uh, there is a Rockets, um, a Houston area reporter named Ben DeBoyce, and I was using some of his information for research and his initial projections for depth charts at point guard have Fred VanVleet starting with Amen Thompson and KPJ. Um, so I. Th- you know, I think, and then, you know, just kind of watching his film and uh, he averaged about six assists uh, per game. Uh, what the, the G League Ignite. Um, uh, overtime Elites, yeah. Overtime Elite. All those names kind of run together. It's like Gatorade flavors. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Arctic <laughs> Chill. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, oh, man. I just bought the lemon pepino, the cucumber flavor today. Oh, that's the best flavor. <laughs> it can be nice. I'm, I'm more of a vitamin water guy now. You know, I grew up. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. We did get. Need him on as a sponsor. <laughs> Actually, that's old information. I'm more of a body armor guy. Anyways, enough about sports drinks. Um, yeah, I think long term for me, Ahmed Thompson is a point guard. I think that's his best fit. I think that's especially if if the backcourt of the future is Jalen Green. Jalen Green sure as hell ain't the point guard. Um, so yeah, I think that one you know, of the main that's, questions. That's a fact. I'm just gonna toss this to you now. So one of my prompts I had for you. Or what positions are Amen Thompson and Jabari Smith best suited for long term, both for the Rockets, but also to unlock their true fantasy potential? Um, I think Jabari is another fascinating one. Um, did you have so? Did you have any thoughts on Jabari and how he fits with Shingun and like where you actually think in today's modern NBA he should be to unlock his fantasy potential? Uh, yeah, he almost seems like a. Uh, Cliff Robinson type to me a little bit. Oh, big um, smoky. Yeah, and so for that reason, I kind of see him. I, I, mean, I think you see him at a four. Uh, you know, and you look at what his defensive numbers were last year. 
his uh, his block rate was actually, or his block, uh, his average number of blocks per game, not his block rate, was in the top 50 of all players as a rookie. Um, so he does have a little bit of uh, being able to defend the rim on defense, and he's clearly, a, uh, you know, his game is a stretch four. So I see him as a four. I think he can slide up to a three. Clearly, he'd be really good. But I think just with their logjam of, players at the three that they're trying to develop um you know i think i would see him starting at the four and ideally kind of bulking up a little bit and and being in that position long term i gotta i gotta stop you there because i'm so distracted by your clifford robinson comp because i think it's a great comp and Mm -hmm. i also just want to let's have a little cliffy corner for anyone under 32 any of the zoomers out there can you just tell the people who clifford robinson was because I feel like he's a name that gets forgotten. Now, who was Clifford Robinson, man? Uh, Cliff Robinson is the owner of a uh, weed shop in Portland called Uncle Spliffy's. Mm-hmm. That's a true thing. That's, that's um, a nice thing to lead with, yeah. <laughs> no, he was a... <laughs> you, he's one of those players, you you often hear this, you know, from these older generations. You're like, wow, if that player could have been playing in, in this, this, you know, in this time period, he was kind of a stretch four before there were stretch fours. Or it was he, a term uh, or something you wanted to build around at all. Exactly. He was a long rangey trailblazer that was playing in the nineties and, uh, and really kind of had that, uh, kind of had that length to his game, that multi kind of that versatility that especially in that time period where you're expecting your force to be down on the post, Carl Malone ish. He was a lot more spread it out um, and kind of do everything. So I think he would have fit really well in today's NBA. I love that. To keep it in the PNW, I think of him like if Detlef Shrimp could block shots. Yeah, that's really you good. Know. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I love those type of players back then. So for me, Jabari, long term, I, I could see him as a stretch five. Um, you know, stretch watch five. it. But he is so versatile, man. Like also watching particularly, I, I watched most of the, I rewatched the Blazers Rockets summer league game. Uh, Jabari Smith has really improved the off the dribble offense, like mid range game. Uh, it's got some little dribble drive stuff mixed in. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the diversity in his offensive game. And you, we know he's a versatile defender. Um, so, so that actually brings me to, uh, can we talk a little bit about uh, how do you see the balance of minutes between these three players, Alfred Shingun, Jabari Smith, and Tari Eason, and then, you know, anything you had on any of those players, go ahead and hit us with. But I feel like yeah. that's kind of, that's where I feel like the real squeeze is going to be. Who's going to be getting squeezed? Who's getting the squeeze? Yeah, the squeeze is, is the real, real big question with this ro- with this roster. Um, one last thing on Jabari Smith, too, as far as his summer league went. Um, yeah. The thing that I was really impressed, I mean, he was clearly one of those guys, and there was a few of them were summer league, and perhaps we're going to do a summer league uh, pod on this. He was one of those guys that played a couple games and was clearly better than everybody else and got shut down. But the element, um, which isn't a total shock for being the number two overall pick, but right. the element of his number game, number right. um, three, you're right, um, that was really, really kind of popped to me was the fact how often he got to the line. Um, in two games, he shot 27 times from the stripe, which is which is really, really good. He made 23 yeah. of them. Um, so if he can carry over you know, even a little bit of that, um, development into, into the regular season. Um, then I think you kind of got something because you could tell he really, he was one of those players that before the all-star break and after the all-star break were two different players. Um, 
And so he, and so I'm curious to see if he can do that. He got to the stripe 3.9 times in the regular season. If he gets up to into the sixes, then I think you got a, you have a real catch in your hands. Um, but as far as that squeeze goes, uh, it, we're both Tari Easton fans uh, here. He's from Seattle. Uh, um, so he's Northwest guy. Speaking of Northwest players. Not talked um, about enough. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's going to get squeezed. <laughs> I mean, I think, well, I think he's going to get squeezed. I think Adoka's going to love him, dude. I'm concerned about defense, my defense. His defense. Is I think Adoka's awesome. going to fall in love with him, man. Like, some of, he closed out on a three point shooter. Uh, I think it was your boy, Shannon, uh, Shannon Sharp. I think it was Shaden Sharp. He was like defending somebody kind of like around the top of the key, right above the free throw line. And he like switched off and bl- it wasn't even the guy he was covering. He just like out of nowhere was all of a sudden blocking Sharp's three pointer. It was nuts. And then he ended up dunking on the other end. And I was like, Edoka's going to love this guy. And why did they sign Dylan Brooks? <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, his defense in his, in as few minutes he was getting was amazing. He averaged 2.1 stocks after the, after the trade break. Um, so he's That's nuts. And like 20, 21 minutes. It's crazy. He's like one of those guys that you project when you do the per 36, you're just like, yep. like well, let's just stop that. that. There's no way that can be this Walker Kessler numbers or something like, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is going to be interesting and, and I'm glad that, and I really, what I have been like building this whole thing too, is because I want to ask you about yeah, your I'm boy, right Alfred Shangoon. And, yeah, uh, exactly. uh, and so I guess the main thing that I'm curious about uh, is he was great. I mean, he was very good last year. He was very good last year. He was the 94th average player, 72nd total. If you're punting turnover, she's 59. Um, but the Thanks. thing, the thing that that I'm curious about him uh, is, and the reason he wasn't higher, he only got 29 minutes a game. Was yeah. first off probably Silas, but really he fouled at an insane rate. He did. Uh, yeah, he, he acts a little three bit. Point, he averaged 3.4 fouls a game, which. Jaron Jackson Jr. was like highlighted as this guy who like fouled like crazy. He averaged 3.6. So uh so the question I had to you is, is he going to stay on the floor enough to be a top 40 player this year or or not? This is kind of how I'm thinking about it. And I'm gonna turn a prompt into for you into a response for you. Um, because it's all the same. It's all fluid um my my concern is that uh Ime Udoka is just gonna fall in love with the defensive versatility and the offensive interchangeability of all kind of lineups not featuring Alfred Shingun uh I, I I can I'm just picturing their you know switchability on defense getting out on the break you know filling the lanes uh they're gonna have you know a lot of guys who can pass the ball some guys who can shoot the ball, um, but pretty much you, there's a lot of lineups you can throw out there where they're, they're all going to be able to defend switch. And I'm just a little concerned um, that Shingun is going to get like Valanchunas next year. I didn't, mm. they just popped in my head, you know, but like, I just feel like there's going to be lineups that work with him and lineups that don't, it's going to be really hard to predict week to week. Um, and I think he's going to be frustrating to own. And I, and I vowed that I would never let anyone else touch him. Uh, I'm sure a few of you in our league are going to accuse me of uh, this being smoke and mirrors. And I'm not saying I'm off him, but I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit uh, because I just think that the skill set that Jabari Smith Jr. brings is just much more of the in the Edoka mold. Um, and so I'm, con- I'm concerned. I'm still a firm believer in the talent. 
buy low in dynasty. If there are any dynasty bros out there listening to this, if during the season, um, you know, if you can uh, extract some value uh, that way, uh, if this season doesn't go as planned, because long term, you know, I think he has top 20 upside um, in some formats in dynasty. Um, but next year in particular, as they figure this thing out, I'm pretty concerned. I'm going to push back a little bit. I'm going to say that uh, I, I, I feel you're concerned, but I'm wondering if, if it's your concern based off of your own previous rankings rather than consensus rankings a little bit. Um, I, I, that's just like a, a hunch I have. But I mean, I do think um, the one thing I think maybe is in Shangun's favor a little bit. And I do, I, I totally feel you. That's a really good point with uh, Adoku loving defensive players. Uh, and, and Shangun, although he puts up pretty awesome fantasy defensive stats, I mean, right. average one, well, 1.8 stocks a game is You'll take really it. good. Yeah. You take that. That's really good. That. Um, but uh, but I mean, the one thing I I I'm hopeful with his value is that um with this new kind of roster, they are able to put out three plus defenders uh in their starting mm, lineup right. between on fleet, Brooks, um, Jabari. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, you can hide them a little bit. You can get a little bit creative. Um, and that offensive talent is enough to to balance the roster a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's one thing I, I'm hopeful with there. Thank you. I needed to hear that. Um, you know, the reason <laughs> I was trying on a very uncomfortable outfit when I was when I was trying on that kind of way of looking at Shingoon. Um, so, yeah, it was it's an interesting place to put myself. And maybe there'll be some improvement from the player himself. He seems like a pretty driven player. Um, it's not like he doesn't have the tools to be a plus defender. It's not like he's a horrible defender. He's not a churn style out there. He's not Ennis Cantor or Yusuf Nurkic right. out there. Yeah. You know? So even though Nurkic, I'm going to read, I'm going to read two two quick stat profiles here. Love so you to. have 15. These are two second year players. Uh, you know, one was a historical number. Um, okay. So 15, nine, and four. Uh, the historical player is 17, 10, and 5. The historical player is a little bit better. The historical player is uh, is Jokic. I mean, the the when you kind of go across, their their stock number is about the same. Their threes numbers are about the same. So for a particular season, the, for their both their second oh. for both of their second year sophomore seasons. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I think that there's uh, you know. Obviously, then Jokic went on some explosive, you know, uh, growth and went all the way up. So not saying Shigun's going to do that or have the opportunity to do that. But uh, but if he does, if the minutes are there, I mean, only averaged 29 last season. If he's able to get into the 30s, like you're you're you got a great player. But that's the great that is the oh. question that we're asking ourselves is what Willie. Are you going to sing uh, Third Eye Blind's Jumper to me re- regarding my boy Shigun? Asking me to step back from that ledge. Yeah, uh, they. I'm sure they're probably currently playing at somebody's state fair right now. Uh, sure. Third Eye Blind seems like they must be on the state fair circuit, no? I think they're one of those bands that's surprising that they still like can sell out a decent size arena. They just have like irrational fans that kind of like uh, translate to the next generation. Mm. Yeah, I put them. I mean, I, I put them on like on the par of like the Goo Goo Dolls as far as how many tickets they can sell. They kind of surprise you. You know? Wait, they're Goo Goo Dolls like put, like selling out good venues. <laughs> they're, they're doing four or five. I mean, packs. I like Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls are totally fine by me. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I actually saw them at the winery we worked at. Shout out Mary Hill Winery. Um, yeah, they put oh. it like thirty 
<laughs> like thirty-five thou in the seats, thirty-five hundred, uh, not thirty-five thousand. Jesus, they're like thirty-five for you know they're not on the casino circuit by any means. They're playing wineries and stuff. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I mean the winery get good good concerts. <laughs> okay, enough about wineries and the Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, Third yeah. Eye Blind. Let's let's uh let's get into the real meat of this. And let's, I just think I want to talk about it a little bit. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna let you know what I'm worried about, and I think we're probably on the same page here. So when looking at, you know, the young guys and projecting them out and having our wish list for, you know, the kind of usage of minutes they can get, um, I'm going to call this the villain Brooks effect. Um, and this is, this is my concern with him. I think that he is going to assume that that contract they handed him the four years, 80 million kind of means like, Hey, they want me to come over here and jack up 20 ill-advised shots a game. Uh, mm-hmm. and t- you know, I, I bring my grit and my intensity and my, you know, defense first mentality. But the price of that, the villain Brooks tax is 20 jacking up, you know, going four for 19 every game. I'm just concerned that I, and if there's any coach, I guess that's going to push back at Sudoka, that could get ugly potentially. I mean, maybe we'll have a fist fight on, on the sidelines, but yeah. Have you given that much thought as far as like his mentality coming in there? What's his, is there any hope that he's going to accept the role that fantasy managers want him to have for the no. other 10? Okay. Uh, I know. I think, I think you nailed it. I love that analogy of the, uh, of the, of the contract tax. I think that's just fantastic, but no, I think he's definitely, he is the player who he always is. He's, he's kind of come down, but even on those exit interviews, he was, he was talking about, you know, how he is a higher scorer. Um, And maybe as he gets a little bit older, he kind of becomes a little bit more efficient. Um, You know, there is a little bit, you know, Perhaps, you know, the half court offense is a little bit better in Houston. Maybe. I don't know. But um, no, I still think he's going to be jacking up all kinds of shots. Uh, but, you know, we but, you know, they I think they kind of knew that. And that, that was kind of the price of entry. Thank you. Yeah. Are you interested in talking about Dylan Brooks, the fantasy player at all? I got nothing uh, on that. But would well, it be irresponsible of us not to? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I ran through most of what I had to say on him last week, uh, but just kind of to to kind of hit some of the highlights that maybe I missed uh, or just kind of run it back is, you know, I think the the curiosity is that he averaged 30 minutes a night or last season for Memphis. Will he get that? I don't know. And and also the other question, too, is um, we just haven't penciled in as a, th- as a starting three here, but realistically he's re- almost more of a four um wow that's weird you say that because he play played a lot of that he could and i hate you i hate for you to say that uh, <laughs> i almost want to play this game who are we most willing from dylan brooks to take away from next season um it'd be ni- it'd be nice if we could take away from kpj but i think other people are going to be doing that uh shout yeah out yeah, KPJ, I'm really curious on what is what his minutes actually end up being. I feel like that's the that for me I have uh, highlighted as a question. And we'll get to that when we get to the guards too. Um, but yeah, I mean I think Dylan Brooks is just is w- going to be one of those guys that is not a long-term hold on your roster. Right. Plays a lot of minutes and so when you're when you're sorting on a Thursday or on a on a Friday and you're for points or you need you need x number of categories you're just gonna see like yeah. oh man he's top of these two categories that i need on my waiver wire and he's gonna end up on a lot of rosters for a lot of the season and then dropped on a lot of mondays 
That's sad. Yeah, that was depressing. Okay, let's. Uh, <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> what do you have on the Rockets' backcourt? That is one thing I'm really curious about because I think, um, and that is going to be, I think, a giant challenge for Adoko um, mm-hmm. with with what does because I think we've all just penciled in it's you just paid you just paid on fleek a ton of money to be your starting point guard. You have Jalen Green. I love how I have to interrupt you. I love how committed you are to saying on fleek, just in case you're not noticing the subtlety there. <laughs> I, I I can't not. I, I, I didn't even realize that I'm doing it. I'm that, I'm that far down the rabbit hole of that one. Uh, uh. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we're all just have been kind of penciling in, um, you know, KPJ is significantly worse than those guys. Uh, he's just going to be the guy that suffers. And I think that that's going to come to a head because I don't think that he's the type of player. I mean, you're talking about Dylan Brooks being the type of player to just kind of accept, you know, 10 shots a night. I see the same with him. Um, and I think that's going to be really curious now. I mean, because do they find a way to get him 25 minutes a night? Yeah, man, I, I'm happy. I'm excited not. to disagree on this one. I think that what's developed with Kevin Porter Jr. in Houston, and I talked about it a little bit last season when I was watching some uh, some um, interviews, some uh, press conferences, uh, preseason uh, interviews. Um, wow. And I think Kevin Porter Jr. is loyal to Houston. I think that if the plan is for him to play 16, 18 minutes a night and get to, to run the second unit, I think he's going to accept that. So that's, that's my bold prediction for the episode, that Kevin Porter Jr., um, you know, is a back end of your roster slash, you know, someone you're weaving in and out based on, you know, how he does in those minutes. I do think he'll get sub 20 minutes per game, somewhere 16 to 20 minutes. And I think he'll accept his role. Oh, do I have a Jordan Clarkson type? He's going to have to, man. Houston, I think it's just, if he blows out of there and I think he's got his head on straight, I think he has some good people um, in his life, you know, and he's, he's come, come to a good place. Um, he is always going to think he's better than he is. He's a very talented player. Um, you know, if it, if it was a, a game of pickup, uh, you know, at your local, uh, you know, playground, I, he would be a top five pick always. Uh, he's super talented, but yeah, this I'm is I, a great playground. I mean, like my playground, like just a bunch of like, pick. like a bunch of dads around here. Like, you're like, Oh, I don't know. I guess I'll go with, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a lit playground. This is like pro-am playground. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but no, I, I have a good feeling about it, and, and I hope it turns out that way for him. Okay, I, I like that take, and I uh, and I think he would be a fantastic fit if he buys into that. He that really should be his future, and uh, I hope I hope that's true. Um, my my big question mark, and, and honestly, it's going to be my one of my biggest questions in the fantasy. entire fantasy system yeah. is uh, who is Jalen Green? I love, what is ooh, the ex- like? That was existential. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like realistically, like what's, yeah. what's his ceiling? I mean, I, I kind of wrote down a couple comps and, but I'm curious if you have comps or, and, or also to kind of get your, your overall viewpoint of, of what he, what is Jalen Green in five years? You know, I kind of, I couldn't find a perfect one. So I had John Wall with, uh, with who was a, who couldn't pass uh, Gilbert Arenas that, you know, it was a little bit more explosive. You know who popped uh, in my head first? Uh, a shorter T-Mac. And then okay. the last one that I thought was kind of the best was uh, was Starberry. I like that. Who popped in my head first and uh, his style play uh, is is Isaiah Ryder. 
J.R. Ryder. J.R. Ryder, yes. And and there's so many ways his career could have went. Um, he's a, he's awesome on 2K. I mean, the guy is just sick. Um, so right now he's he's a concept player. He's a highlight package. He is 30 minute. You put him on for 30 minutes on YouTube, and you're having a great time. Um, but yeah, he's still in that J.R. Ryder phase of his career. Um, and you know, hopefully he has you know, a much longer career that's filled with some all-star appearances and he seems, you know, but, but they each kind of have something going on where it's, it's style over substance a little bit at uh, this stage in Jalen Green's career, J.R. Ryder remained at that stage throughout most of his career. Um, so hopefully yeah. he's able to come out of that stage, but right now I, I have his kind of style of play and how he fits it to a team as like a modern J.R. Ryder. Hmm. I like that a lot. That's really good. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious on, on what he is. He, he didn't, you know, he got better, you know, last year, his second year into the league than his rookie year, but it wasn't quite that uh that jump that we were expecting. Um, and so I feel like the question is, can he take that, you know, that uh Anthony Edwards uh jump? And I feel like that's going to be the big question. So because from his rookie year to his sophomore year, his rebounds assists were really similar. He averaged he went from 17 points to 22. So he did take a, a leap up, but some of that was minutes based. Usage, uh, but really, as you mentioned. Usage, yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think the story with owning with his season last year, as far as a fantasy manager goes, is he was far too tantalizing and explosive right. to drop. You, yeah. you are you speaking from experience dare, right now? I yeah, I, I I drafted him. I, I kind of had him highlighted this is like is that what it was? I believe 33, brother. Oh. Okay. Wow. Nice memory. Um, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, it was, there was no chance. I was far too afraid to drop him, but he was also so terrible that there was no way to trade him. Um, he was the 108th, or sorry, the 187th ranked player in fantasy last year, as far as averages go, um, which is terrible. You seemed like you were having terrible. a really bad time. Um, there were, we had a trade on the table that I ended up not going with and I forget the player it was, but it was pretty sad that I wouldn't give you that player for him. <laughs> I can't remember. There was something on well, the table there. Yeah, it was, it was a trade that we had on the table and then, uh, so Jeremy Grant. Well, yeah. While I was waiting to yeah. confirm it, you traded him James away. James gave me a better offer. Yeah. Yeah. Bastard James. But yeah, I mean, he, the thing is, despite all that, I mean, he was still averaged 22, 3.7 and 3.7. Um, so in specific builds, he was really good uh, because he, I mean, those are really good numbers. But the issue was he just torpedoed, just torpedoed you in turnovers and crushed you in field goal percentage. So it was the goods were the goods were pretty good and the lows were so awful um yeah. that i'm that i i want to i want to buy in on him next year i i i know i'm going to talk myself into it but at the same time he's a really scary player to go for because i bet you you're going to have to pony up pretty high to get him he's great for a style points build Oh yeah, that's good. Uh, I love that build. <laughs> you, when you're at the bar, people are like, "Dang, you got a yeah. good team." Look at you his roster. Like, you must be in first place, right? <laughs> yeah. Ninth. Right. Um, let me ask you this about about Jalen Green. There's no way his usage goes up this season, correct? Can we start right. there? Okay. Yes, correct. Okay, so so you have this score first guard who's been able to do whatever he wants for the first couple years of his career. He's going into his third year, right? Correct. 
Okay. So could we, for fantasy, could that potentially be a good thing? Um, if you have other playmakers on the, on the court, he's, I mean, he, there were so many shots that he jacked up last year that were just kind of like, this team's going nowhere. These people came to see me. I'm going to be a star. I get to take my lumps shots. And maybe if we can reduce those shots by 40%, we would have a better fantasy player at a better price because there's no way he's going to be more expensive than that sophomore bump price people, you know, for the sophomore breakout people were paying last year that you paid. He's going to be cheaper. So if he's more efficient, um, potentially, you know, just within the flow of, a, of an organized offense that isn't run by Steven Silas, um, he could be a nice bounce back candidate. I like the way this conversation is going. I'm, I'm oh, talking good. you. I'm talking you back up on Alfred Shangoon, and you're talking me back up on Jalen Green. I feel like this is like a support pod. Oh, that's so nice. That no, it does feel really good. I'm glad. I never wanted to to go this way. I wanted us to be fighting and doing hot takey stuff, but no, we're just kind of coming together and easing each other's, licking each other's wounds. Yeah, yeah. Not licking. Oh, that's what happens with the Rockets. See, I didn't because you kind of think. <laughs> There's nowhere, there's nowhere to go but up. Um, the other thing that where there's nowhere to go but up is uh, if you're drinking any other coffee except for Steel Bridge coffee, the only way to go up is by switching over to Steel Bridge coffee. Um, check out the website. It's steelbridgecoffee.com, backslash PTJ, um, 100% fair trade, organic, uh, locally owned, small business. Um, if you go onto that site, you get four pounds of coffee, shipping's included, just directly to your door, price built in, no handling, um, really high, high quality premium coffee. Um, and it really is going to increase your game quite a bit. Uh, it's not going to be a Steven Silas run operation. Was that an ad read? Are you being paid? Uh, I am being paid. <laughs> that was, that was, yeah. <laughs> was it that you asked me about? Oh yeah. Um, um, Sla- I can't remember. Someone said Slava M- Mavadenko. Um, <laughs> that's oh, right uh mamo kenner's Vili. you're like is that an ad read are you being paid <laughs> I was, nice. that was the most taken back ever and when his name came up this like at any point this summer i could not i just would immediately go into a fit of laughter no matter what i was doing <laughs> i'm glad those links are still live yeah go check that out um you know we, we, you can get what's it, eight pounds of coffee you get one of the uh, four pounds sweet yeah. vintage you can get eight if you order two orders so that's, I mean, that that's, a, really, that's a really strong point um, but yeah yeah our first partner remains strong so go check that out yeah um, got, we got any more can we dig a little deeper on the rockets do you want to do you have any forecasting for if aaron holiday can ever become relevant or are you going to stream patty mills next year and some disgusting uh desperate attempt to win three pointers or anything like that you know, the, the I feel like we named every single player that is likely to have likely to be there. I think the biggest thing is going to be that, um, or I guess, kind of my my main question to you, I guess, is let, let me phrase it this way: is how many rocket players are going to be full year holds? How many rocket players are going to be what now? To be year long holds? Oh, for the uh, entire like they're going to be on a yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Van Vliet, Jalen Green, you just hold on for dear life there. Jabari, Shingun. I would not drop Eason. So are you counting my fingers? Is that five? Um, That's five. And then I think Amen Thompson's one of those players that if you if you bite that, you, you go ahead and hold on. But there can be rookie guards that's just not worth it at some point. So I could see him potentially being a drop. So I'd say five for sure. Um, and then on the border, Amen Thompson, um, depending on your format. In a points league, you don't drop him. 
Um, same with KPJ in a points league. I think he's just the usage he's going to get with the second unit potentially could, could be useful in that format. Um, you know, a player we didn't mention is Jay Sean Tate still exists. Mm. Uh, and he was the rookie sophomore game MVP one time. So, wow. Um, they're going to have to find minutes for him too. Uh, Cam Whitmore. Um, I'm really interested to see how many minutes he gets. Can't imagine that's much more than garbage time. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's just uh, it's an endless sea. And then I guess Jacques Londale, um, he'll, he'll, he'll get some minutes. Um, he <laughs> doesn't mm-hmm. seem like much of a threat, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I guess five guys are locks to, to be on your roster all year. And then uh, a couple of question marks. Yeah. Which is, which is, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I feel like the most rosters you look at four, maybe five and, uh, and you just kind of rattled off a, sounds like five with the potential of a, of a six. So it is a really curious roster. And I feel like it's going to be, I, I hope that we get some like long-term clarity pretty early rather than a week to week situation. Yeah, I think, yeah. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, I think reading the tea leaves a little bit, um, training camp, preseason games, which aren't very long, but just kind of get an idea of, of, you know, what the drum beat is in Houston, um, following some good, uh, beat reporters, um, like my boy, Ben Bois. You can follow him on, uh, on Elon Musk's uh, X going give it to you machine. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you understand that reference? I don't. Okay. So do you know that Twitter is no longer called Twitter and Elon Musk has changed his name to X? I do know that. Okay. Then X going give it to you as a DMX song. And I can yeah, just picture Elon Musk, like, like before he released it, like rapping to himself in the mirror, X going give it to you. I can picture that too. It's horrible. He- yeah. Do you think the, uh, oh, geez, we need to wrap up this podcast because now I'm yeah, going down the rabbit hole. But the, uh, I'm wondering if, if the overall, uh, trajectory of the Rockets is going to be decreasing because they went from like basically Houston being, you know, NASA central to now our space program is mainly run by, by Elon Musk and, uh, SpaceX, which is based in California. Um, so I, I wonder if the overall trajectory will, ne- will never rebound for the Rockets. You've just given me a full galaxy brand. Just, just appropriate for uh, for the end of a Houston Rockets pod. Uh, well, I'll launch I'll launch into this sort of stuff. Yeah, I hope that was useful. Hope that was entertaining. Um, I we wanted to try out a pod where we just kind of dive into one team with a bunch of question marks and just kind of get in there and uh, kind of figure out what to make of it. Um, so this pod obviously will remain relevant for some time. Um, please do follow Projecting the Jump on Twitter. Um, you can follow me, Flying J, on Twitter X, whatever it's called. Um, and the handles will be in the notes of this podcast you're listening to, or if you're watching on YouTube, you can find them there as well. Um, and yeah, we're on YouTube now. So I hope you guys are enjoying that. If you would like to watch our faces for this long, or just have it in the background or whatever, whatever it is that, however you consume it, we're just happy you are. Absolutely. Okay. Well, for nature on clean, this is your boy flying J and, uh, we will talk to y'all soon. Cheers. All right. I love you. Love you too, man.